Talk Radio 96.7. It's a Friday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the weekend really can't get started until we ask the preacher. Ask the Preacher, brought to you by Believer's Fellowship Church. Ask the Preacher. Here's John Freed. Well, it's so good to be back in the studio with you. I've been gone for a couple weeks. Uh, welcome to the Ask the Preacher program, everybody, on this uh, rainy Friday afternoon. Uh, Mr. George Locke, thank you so much for uh, holding down the, the fort. And then uh, oh, also welcome. thank you to, uh, was it Jerry Kimmel? Jarius. Uh, oh, Jarius. I, I it thought was, it was yeah, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was uh, completely out for that one. Did not even realize who uh, who was who was covering the mic, but um, anyway. So, folks, it, I'm I'm glad to be back with you. If you're uh, if you're disappointed that I'm back in the studio, I don't know. <laughs> no, what to no, tell no. You. They all missed you, John. They were they were weeping and gnashing of teeth while you were gone, <laughs> and uh, I was a poor substitute. I was a shadow of hosts yet to come. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, folks, you are listening to Ask the Preacher, and the phone number to join in on the conversation is 863-682-1430. You can also go to askthepreacher.com, and on askthepreacher.com, you can find the phone number in case you forget it and you want to call in and give your two cents or ask a question, and we'll do our best to answer it. You can also find previous episodes, and I would encourage you, I, I don't think it's up yet, but uh, last week I spoke about a uh, a topic that I think it's pressing, and uh, I, I did my best to try to be articulate and not rock too many boats, uh, as as the phrase John often uses. But um, <laughs> yeah. we, we we talked about what it means to be a, a true American and how that's founded on uh, Christ and His personality and His covenant. And um, I would encourage you, if you care anything about America or Christ. Check out last week's episode in, in probably about a week or two when it's up on askthepreacher.com. But you can call in today, 863-682-1430, ask a question on topic, off topic, or join in on our conversation and give us your two cents. Yeah, um, you know, we'll, we'll pick up on that just a hair here, and uh, we'll see how far we, we go in this uh, this discussion. But, um, George, you and I in a text conversation uh, a little earlier today, uh, you ended a statement with a particular word, and, and I just want to go to that that word here for a moment, and then back up on our on our text conversation earlier today. You closed a very powerful and strong and and likely truthful, unfortunately truthful statement, um, and you said Maranatha, Maranatha being um, um, Aramaic word, not a Greek word, not a Hebrew word, uh, close to Hebrew, similar, related, but. Um, but an Aramaic word, and it and it literally means "Come, Lord." Uh, it, we could add the idea to it, "Come, Lord, quickly," because that's implied. Um, it's an invitation to basically say, "Lord, we need you to intervene." Um, some people might take it as, "Lord, we need you to to, to rescue us," um, and and some people might even take it as as, as if to say, uh, "Lord, we need you to come and fix things." Uh, but either way, it is to say, Lord, come. Um, and to to the believers that are listening to us today, for those of you who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
Um, we look at the world and, and what the world is going through. Um, often, as Americans, we tend to look at what is happening in the world from our American glasses, if you will. Uh, Amer- you know, I, I love our country, but to some degree, America, uh, Americans are can be the can be the worst about certain things. Um, we have the the World Series, yet it's only us that play in it, you know? Well, that's because we are Americans, not American cats. America, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, we have a tendency to think that the world revolves around us, and, and it really doesn't, you know? Um, but anyway, my, my, my point is to say that we look at the events that are happening in the world, and we tend to uh, see them through our American set of, of glasses, if you will, Um and so that's I speak that to the believers, um, that and then we end up saying, "Oh Lord, come!" Uh, and then you have people who are not believers uh, who would agree with believers in many cases. Uh, people like uh, patriots, uh, often the conservatives of of American culture, um, people who uh, have a tendency to fall in line or in agreement with. Uh, what 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 is biblical morality? Now, a Christian would say uh, it's centered around God. It's centered around centered around the Bible. A non-Christian might agree with that to some degree. They would just simply say, "Well, these are right and these are good." Well, my question is, who creates the standard then of what is right and what is good? Is it not God? Is it not God who creates that standard? Is it not the Bible that is the record of that standard? Um, and so. But either way, whether a believer or a non-believer, when you look at many people looking at the the situations and stuff that's going on in our world, and especially in our nation, uh, we desire for things to come to a close, things to come to an end, things to come to some sense of finality, or especially a a change. Um, if your if your car is in really 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 bad shape, you've got two options: you either get it fixed or you get a new one, right? Um, I guess your third option is you just keep driving the thing until it just dies. Uh, so you know maybe that's three options. But um, are are we are we in that type of situation here in our nation and here in our world? Um, and we'll we'll talk about that some. But I, I want to uh, before we hit this break, I want to I want to say this: uh, history repeats itself. We all know that. We've said it many times. Most radio hosts have probably said it a hundred times. No matter what side of the aisle they're on politically, uh, believers, non-believers, we we can look at history and say uh, that that things have a tendency to come full circle and do themselves uh, do it all over again. A uh, little bit different picture each time. So the reality is this: there have been other people that feel just like we do in times past, and they had to figure out how to f- keep forging forward, how to keep moving forward, how to make things work, how to realize there might be generations that are following me that need uh, a good example, that, that need instruction, that, that need something uh, prepared for them so that they can succeed. Uh, so this is not the first time what we are going through in our nation, what we are going through in our, in our world is not necessarily the first time we've gone through these things but there are some things that are rather fresh, and there are some things that seem a little bit different. And so uh, maybe maybe we'll talk about all those things Intriguing. today. Intriguing. Either Interesting. way, Maranatha. Maranatha. Hey, folks, you are listening to Ask the Preacher. Phone number 863-682-1430. We look forward to talking with you in just a few moments. But now let's get back to more of Ask the Preacher, brought to you by Believers Fellowship Church. Here's George and John. 
Yep, 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 it is Friday, and welcome back to the program, all you beautiful people out there in Radioland. I hope you're having a good day and looking forward to a good weekend. Just a reminder, the phone number to call in 863-682-1430 if you want to join in on the conversation or ask a question either on topic or off topic. That's all right. We love uh, getting curveballs thrown at us from time sure. to time and, and answering them. We had one last week that was, I thought, pretty good. I hope I answered it fairly well, but... Uh, it was, it was an interesting question and conversation, well, I think. I, I hope well, you did. I hope you did good. I'm sure you did. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, just before we went to the break, you were uh, giving us some insights about uh, your, your thoughts on, on possibly where we're heading and, and how uh, yeah, it's I, not a unique situation that we're in, per se, uh, or that we're, we're heading to. Yeah, the, the environment around us is not... I, I guess I, I think I'll, I'll start with the idea of desperation or frustration, um, if we want to put those together for the moment. Desperation, frustration. Um, people have been uh, very frustrated uh, with, with life and society and those types of things um, many times over, uh, maybe every generation in some sense. Uh, if you even think about it before, before Christ, you have a period of about 400 years where the believers in God— um, the, the, the scripture literally says it it this way: uh, there were not many words, or there were no strong words. In other words, God didn't speak very clearly. It, these were silent years. Uh, some some teachers will describe them as. Uh, in other words, um, that, that's just between the Old Testament and what we would call the New Testament. After correct. Michael was right. So yep. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so these are these are quiet years. I don't call them silent years because there are some things that were said, but they're they're quiet years. Um, and so my my thoughts in, on that respect would be, was God not speaking or were people not hearing? Um, was God mm. wanting to say something and people were not in a position uh, to hear God, or were people not in a position so therefore God did not speak? Um, so those were those are interesting things to think about. I don't know that any one of them is completely right or wrong, um, but I think about things that way because when I'm not hearing from God as to what's going on, is it me? Is it God? Is he trying to tell me something, but my ears are, are too clogged up to hear? Uh, am I not in the right place to hear what God is wanting to say or what God is wanting to, sh- to show me? And so I think about that in context even in our own world. So uh 2,000, we'll just call it 2,250 years later, right? We put it right in the middle of that 400 years of, of quietness. Um, a couple thousand plus years later, um, we are in a, a place in our society, at least in, at least in the United States of America, if not in, in a variety of other major countries of the earth, to where uh, it seems like the presence of God is void and destitute um, that society is just crashing hard, and 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 where is God um, in this? You know, where where is God? And yet, at the same time, what we what what is different is that if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, God is really moving yeah. aggressively mm-hmm. on the earth. Um, I've said a few different times that, uh, and, and, and people don't know how to take me. I'm sarcastic sometimes and then, uh, uh, and then literal the next moment. And so people don't always get it, but, um, I actually have some level of appreciation towards, I'll just be specific towards, well, I'll say it this way, towards our current administration. 
Uh, and people will think, oh, I thought you had very strong views in, in the opposite direction. Well, I do. But I'm incredibly grateful in one sense uh, to the current administration because they are peddling lies and darkness, and it's destroying America. And in the middle of this darkness that's just being spread all over the place, people become desperate for light. Um, if, if I were to withhold food from someone, what do they become? Hungry. Right. <laughs> so if we withhold light from, from people, they become very desperate for, for light. Um, we are sitting in this studio right here, and there is one thing that we're not really longing for, and it is light. Why? Because the lights are on. But if we, if we turned the lights off, we would be thinking, you know, please, somebody turn on the lights. So right now, uh, darkness is just um, being very much evident from our leadership in the nation, and I think it makes the people of the nation, uh, they, they begin to see that something's wrong, something's not right, things aren't going well. What do we need to do? We need to turn back to the light. Somebody turn the lights on, and let's yeah. change this thing. Yeah, and it's um, you're absolutely right. I, I do see even in you know I'm I help businesses grow, and I'm in that kind of environment. That that's my world is talking to. Uh, movers and shakers, if you will, uh, within the the business realm, and there is this urgency. This it seems like everybody who loves the light, so to speak, or mm-hmm. or not even necessarily loves the light, just people who are sane. They're normal. <laughs> they're they're what the average you know person was th- even thirty years ago. Um, it's like everybody's waiting for a life raft. They're all just waiting in the ocean water, waiting for, for some kind of life raft to come along. And and so there is this awakening, so to speak, uh, because they are seeing the darkness. My concern, uh, my maybe warning to those of us who are uh, following Christ, who proclaim him to be our Lord, uh, our King, yeah. my concern is that we don't get comfortable in this darkness. You know, when you're in darkness, two things happen. You mentioned that you long for light, but if you're left in the darkness too long, your eyes grow accustomed to it and you start seeing in the dark and you think, oh, I could see in the dark. It's fine. You know, you learn how to be blind in essence. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't really need the light. And then when true light is uh, shown, you're it's exposed to it. It's, it's overwhelming. It's yeah. even painful. You know, yeah. it's, it's blinding, uh, at times. And so I am concerned that if we who call Christ our King don't step up in a spiritually aggressive way, that all of these people who are looking for light, they're, they're seeing the contrast between the darkness, the lies, the corruption, uh, they're going to look for a life raft but if they don't grab the right life raft, a true life raft, they're going to go after a facade, a fake, a, a very dim lit light that really isn't light at all. It's just a way for them to get accustomed to the darkness even more comfortably. Yeah, when you, uh, you use that term, a life raft, uh, man, that's a, that's a very uh, powerful uh, analogy. I, I can think of many things that connect both spiritually and and naturally, uh, and even nationally, um, you know, people look at Jesus as a life raft, and he is. He will save a drowning man, you know, if you cling to him. 
Uh, he absolutely is, in that sense, a, a, a life raft. Um, but at the same time, uh, we're all, I'm going to use this old colloquialism, if that's what it is. Uh, we're waiting for our ship to come in. We're waiting, waiting for the life raft to come. Uh, the reality is the life raft has already been given to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not waiting for this life raft to come. We're not waiting for Jesus to come. Um, he may be coming back, or he is coming back, uh, but we've already been given him. We've already been given uh, the life raft to cling to. And so for anybody who's drowning, you should go ahead and grab a hold of Jesus uh, and and his, his um, instructions, his statutes, his, his law, his way of living. Um, you should go ahead and grab onto that um, and not, not wait for, so to speak, the life raft to come and rescue you out of all your troubles. Uh, if I can say it this way, if I threw you, George, you're drowning in the ocean, and I threw the life preserver out to you, uh, there's something that you have to do. Yeah, yeah. it only works if I cling to it if or <laughs> jump into the life raft. That's yep. right. That's right. And so, and then nationally speaking, and we only have a minute, so I'll say this quickly, um, you know, we're coming up to another presidential election uh, if we actually end up having one, maybe we'll talk about that. But, um, you know, people are often waiting, oh, Trump is going to save us out of all the trouble. Well, folks, let me tell you, even even our Declaration of Independence, our Constitution helps us understand uh, that it is we, the people, that have the power. And so if we are waiting for one individual, uh, George Washington was one of the founding fathers. He was not the only person. He was one of the men. He was, it, it always takes a group. It's always going to take um, the, the, the core of, of people. And sometimes it may be a minority uh, that swells into a majority. But nonetheless, it, uh, it's gonna t- it, it's not, we cannot wait for one man. This yeah. is not the job yep. of one man. It is the job of a community and of a nation of God-fearing people. That's what our founding fathers actually warned us of. This thing only works to a biblically moral people. Folks, you're listening to Ask the Preacher. We will see you in just a few moments after this break. You can call in and join the conversation, 863-682-1430. We'll see you in just a few moments. Now let's get back to more of Ask the Preacher, brought to you by Believer's Fellowship Church. In the studio is George and John. Hey, you got first billing, George. Take it. Hey, Mom, I'm going places. Look at me. (laughs) Eric, call my name first. Welcome back to the program, all you beautiful people out there in Radioland. We appreciate you listening. Yeah. We encourage you to join in on the conversation, 863-682-1430. You can... Join in on what we're talking about. You can ask a question either on topic or off topic, and you can also go to askthepreacher.com. Check out previous episodes. Go ahead, John. Uh, all right. So, George, let's talk about, uh, I'm going to use this phrase, doing something mm-hmm. or not doing something. Um, you in this. So some of our conversation is, is stemmed around this text message that we had earlier today, and you made some statements that were just very, very powerful and unfortunately uh, uh, truthful. And uh, you made reference to, uh, okay, now cocaine is found in the White House, and you know what's going to happen? Nothing, mm-hmm. more than likely. Uh, there's going to be some people that, that you know, pitch a fit about it, run their mouth about it, get some air time, some screen time about it, uh, sell some books and, and whatever, but by and large, uh, nothing effectual uh, will actually 
be be done. And and so we we talk about the need for change. We talk about uh, error. We talk about integrity. We talk about morality. We talk about law, uh, law and order. We talk about all of these kinds of things. But if um, whose responsibility is it to do something? Well, that's, uh, the short answer is it's it's my responsibility. It's anybody who's listening. It's our responsibility. We the people. It kind of reminds me of uh, a couple of days ago, my five-year-old asked a question. He said, oh, well, we can just ask the government. And we were a little <laughs> confused by that. My wife and I were driving the car. We were a little confused by that because we're like, well, what do you mean, buddy? He goes, well, because the government makes all the rules and, and they could tell us. I'm like, oh, I failed as a father. I am <laughs> epically failing as a father. So we we talked to him and we corrected him. We said, well, no, buddy, you know, the, the government, they they help create laws, but they get their rules for making rules from us, we the people. And then my wife chimed in and said, well, that's how it's supposed to be anyway. And she was absolutely correct. That's how it's supposed to be. And oftentimes people wonder, you know, well, what is it that we need? We got to change things at the, at the national level. We got to do this and that. And, and people are looking at the, the big picture. And, um, John, I got a question for you. This is Ask the Preacher. When, when Moses led the people out of Egypt, where was he leading them to? Well, that's very interesting. Most people think he was leading them to the promised land, mm-hmm. but the reality was he was leading them to go worship God in the wilderness. That's right. That's right. Before they could enter the promised land, they had to have an encounter with God. And in that encounter or during that encounter with God, they received their instruction. They received how they were supposed to live in the land, how they were supposed to treat the land, treat each other, treat the people around them, how they were supposed to be governed and govern themselves before God. But all of that occurred before they got to the promised land. And so many times we as a nation, we, oh, we see all these things. We, we, we see the corruption. We see the two-tiered justice. And last week, we talked about the 27 grievances listed in the Declaration of Independence. We, we listed probably half of them, and we showed how half of those grievances that our founding fathers said, you know what, enough's enough, we got a break from, the, from the, the British crown, they're happening today. Things like false imprisonment based on bogus accusations. You yeah. have— Related to—especially uh, related to uh, particular dates towards the beginning of the year. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, you have all kinds of taxation without consent. I mean, I particularly don't want my tax dollars going to causes that rip babies apart and promote the destruction of the nuclear family and the family compound. Um, so, so there's all these different grievances that violate biblical principles, and they're happening again today. Yeah. And a lot of people are so focused on getting to the promise, saying, well, let's just change the government from the, the top up. But you can't do that. And here's why you can't do that. It doesn't work from top up. You can't just go to the promised land. We as a nation of people, of people, have to first have an encounter with God. You know, I've said many times on this program that the difference between 1776 and our society today is in 1776, the colonists had a chant called No King But King Jesus. Well, today... Christians don't even want to mention Jesus in the public square, let alone call them, uh, call him their king. So really the, the, the fate of America rests on the church. 
It was the church that spurred the first revolution, but it spurred the revolution in the pews. It was local communities who had dissent against what would have been the federal government at that time, the, the crown. Yeah. Because without local dissent and without local community standing up and saying, you know what, we, we, we stand on these biblical principles and we reject any authority, any creed, any law, any, any edict coming from an outside government who's not we the people. You can't have national cohesion without that local community. Yeah, yeah. Other, otherwise, there's uh, 270 some odd billion people that fight for 270 some odd billion things. Correct. Uh, rather than one thing. Instead of having the American Revolution of 1776, where it was based on pledging their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honors to one another, where they would chant no king but King Jesus, instead of that kind of a revolution, you would have the French Revolution, where it was mm -hmm. based on secular humanism, and it became a reign of terror and a bloodbath, because every man did what was right in his own eyes. And that's the, the difference between the, the two revolutions of the, the turning of the 18th century. And so if we ever hope to turn this country around, it has to start locally, and it has to start with the church. It is, if you call yourself a Christian, if your king is King Jesus, then you need in your heart and publicly declare, there's no king but King Jesus. And so when there is a two-tiered system, when the 27 grievances that were listed in the Declaration of Independence rear their head again, and they already they have, are. Yeah. it is time for you to stop recognizing kings besides King Jesus. So I'll, I'll bring some scripture in on the scene concerning this. When you're talking about, uh, it, it's got to go back to the local level. I'm oversimplifying what you're saying, but uh, that's the, that's the mm -hmm. gist of it. It's got to go back to the local level. Uh, this is not about a, a national fix. This is a local fix that, hap that must happen before we can ever have a national fix. Um, in, in Psalm 11.3, it says, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And so the reason why a national fix is impossible is because the foundations of this nation have been destroyed. So even the righteous can do nothing about it. Um, so what has to happen? The foundations have to be restored or repaired or rebuilt, if you will, similar to Nehemiah rebuilding a wall, um, similar. Um, so what were the foundations of this nation? Well, the foundation was not built on a national government. The foundation is built upon local societies. Um, so even in Independence Day, 13 colonies, now those are larger local societies, that's even larger than local at that point, uh, that, that 13 come together and say we are separating ourselves from the nation. I think we forget about that as, as Americans, um, that, that literally uh, they're large communities. So what we're going to focus on some more is the need for, for smaller and more local uh, involvement, but these larger communities literally said we are separating from the people who control us. What does that mean? That means we're not getting their help anymore. We're not getting their money anymore. We're not taking their education anymore. We're not taking their free food anymore. Uh, we're not taking these things that they have effectively enslaved us with uh, by by feeding, throwing some bread on the water uh, so that the fish will stay populous. Um, you know, keep keep eating it, stay close. And so uh, eventually you, you have to say, I'm willing to sacrifice everything I am, everything I have 
um, in order to go with God, in order to to, to do things God's way. Um, the you know I said it this way, and we got to take a break here. I said it this way in church this past Sunday. Um, the governments of this world have never, at least for any length of time, have never aligned themselves with the purposes and plans of God. Uh, it's they're they're always contrary to God. Why? Because when people gain in power, uh, when people rise up in power, they want it for themselves. And and to and, and the only way to do that is really, so to speak, take it from God. When that happens, it's the beginning of destruction. Mm. It's the beginning of destruction. Right on. Hey, folks, you are listening to Ask the Preacher, 863-682-1430. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll see you back here in just a few moments. Fourth and final segment of this afternoon's Ask the Preacher program coming up right now, brought to you by Believers Fellowship Church. Here's John and George. Yeah, he said me first. I'll take it. <laughs> it's all right. I'm going places, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, before I forget, I, I want to mention, I've, I've told George every break, oh, I want to make sure I mention this. Um, it, it, this is, uh, well, you know what? I ain't going to say it. Uh, I want to remind. I want to let people know about a meeting that that uh, will be hosted um, at our at our church, where the venue uh, for the um, this meeting coming up this Thursday. It is a CDF Citizens Defending Freedom. So this is Polk County Citizen Citizens Defending Freedom. Polk County Citizens Defending Freedom uh, will we'll actually be meeting at Believers Fellowship Church, um, th- which is our our church uh, this Thursday at six thirty. This Thursday at 6.30, and uh, Paul Blair, the former Chicago Bears football player, will actually be the the speaker. He is now a pastor, has been a pastor for maybe 20 years or so now, um, and has gotten outrageously engaged all across the nation in stirring up pastors uh, to stand up and fight for, for liberty, uh, to fight for our, our God-given freedoms. And I, I want to underscore, bold, and highlight, and italicize that statement <laughs> all together at one time. These are God-given liberties, God-given uh, freedoms. You know, our, our Constitution was written to protect the freedoms and the liberties that God gave man uh, by His divine authority and by His divine power. The government did not give us those freedoms uh, our U.S. Constitution was written to protect the freedoms that God gave us. Um, and then it was said to us by the founding fathers, by some of them that wrote the documents and, and, and stamped their signet, didn't stand, that signed their, their life to it. Um, they said, hey, the generations that follow us, they're going to have to defend this thing. Uh, it's going to have to be kept. It's going to have to be fought for. It'll have to be defended. Why? Because uh, God has enemies. People are constantly, not only people, but the devil uh, and people, are constantly trying to destroy what God has has made, what God has given. Um, there is an enemy to our soul. Uh, folks of you that listen, there is an enemy to your soul. That is the devil. God is not your enemy. He's your creator. He's your your friend. He's your best friend. He's he's your life raft. Uh, he's our only hope. He really is our only hope, and uh, and he gave us uh, the, the the freedoms that we have enjoyed for so long in our in our nation that have been uh, robbed and pilfered in reality. Um, and so right now, in one sense, I want to say, forget about the ones we lost. 
Quit giving away the ones we still have, you know, so start there uh, and then start taking and reclaiming things. And George, you say it very well when you said that's not going to be done on a national scale because we can't get our whole nation to agree on all these things together at one time. But yeah. we can get people to rise up locally uh, and and to come into unity together locally. Yeah, you know, and, and before it even happens locally, it has to happen individually. Yeah. I mean, Jesus said, if you love the world and the things of this world, the love of the Father is not in you. And to me, that's interesting because it it it, it is echoed by the founding fathers who loved liberty and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And they loved liberty so much that they were willing to give up everything in this world, their lives, their fortunes, and they pledged their sacred honor to one another. And so uh, I, I mentioned this last week. We really need to reflect if we're willing to give up all of those things. Because to truly engage our community locally, we, we have to be willing to give up those things individually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jesus, a lot of times, a lot of Christians will say, well, this isn't, this isn't for Christians. We're so, you know, we're just supposed to preach the gospel and, and, and get people saved. And that is true. But Jesus also said, occupy until I come. And that word occupy could mean just twiddle your thumbs, I suppose. But occupy it's, time and space. <laughs> but it's not the, the echo that he had in Genesis 126, 128, when he said, take dominion. Dominion's a military term to bring under your control through force. Mm-hmm. Occupy can also mean a military term where you occupy the enemy's land. So if you're a Christian and you want to obey his commands because he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, his yeah. commandment was to occupy until he comes. So if you're a Christian who thinks politics and getting involved in, in local government is, is wrong and useless, I would challenge you to see if you're really following what Jesus commanded. I like it how Paul Blair, who's going to be the speaker at this uh, CDF meeting at Believers Fellowship this Thursday at 630, I like how I put that plug in. <laughs> I like how Paul Blair said it. He, he says it. He, he simply asked the question, uh, of what part of your life is Jesus not the Lord of? Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can say it the other way, of what parts of your life is Jesus the Lord of? Well, he's supposed to be Lord of all. And if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And so if you say, well, I don't let my religious beliefs, you know, interfere with blank, well, then he's not Lord at all, because our, the, the Bible, our relationship with God, uh, it touches every area of our life. And if Jesus is not supreme, then he's not in charge. If he does not have preeminence in any area then he has no rulership at all. And it, it's his rightful place. And it's our uh, job, it's our duty to give it to him, to make Jesus king. No other king but King Jesus. He's the king of our life. Right on. So we're going to see everybody who was listening today Thursday. Yeah, Thursday six, at 6.30. 6.30. Please yeah, come, come early. The meeting starts at 6.30. It'll be very powerful. Uh, you'll hear a lot of great things that are happening locally, as well as stuff uh, of... of like-minded people all over the nation that are that are gathering up locally it's a local endeavor so we're we're uh, bringing it back home hey god bless you people thanks for listening uh we'll see you we'll see you next week here same station same time ask the preacher bye-bye